listening to our New Chapel podcast. We're for people to connect with God and be raised to new life in Christ. Be sure to connect with us at newchapel.com and on social media to stay up to date on everything happening here at New Chapel. Good morning. Oh, come on, sound a little bit livelier than that. Good morning. There we go. Thank you so much for that. Gosh, I love our church. I love being here today and worshiping with you. Worship was so powerful, and I love how they were thinking of you. Maybe for some of you, when those lights went off, you didn't quite know what to do, and you're like, this is awkward, and what's happening? But that was actually for you. That was to make you comfortable, to take a risk, and to lift your hands, and maybe close your eyes, or uh, maybe even sing a little bit louder, because maybe you felt like people weren't staring at you anymore, and so I love our church. I love that our worship team was thinking about how to honor you in that way, and give you the opportunity to worship, because what I want you to know, if you're new here today, and maybe you're like, why are they worshiping like that? Like, it's loud, and uh, some people are jumping, or dancing, or clapping. What is this? I want you to know that the Bible is what models that way of worshiping for us. Like, we didn't make this up. We're not just in here trying to be silly or goofy. Like, the Bible models this way of worship for us. And so we're just doing what the Bible says, and that's how we're worshiping. And so, I mean, I want you to think about it. In the world, if you're excited about something, if you're at a concert or if you're watching a sports game, right? Sports game, I don't even know. Football, do you watch football? Uh, You're going to get excited. You're going to clap, and you're going to cheer you're going to get loud, right? Or even at another concert. Well, here at New Chapel, we want to give God our best. We want to give him our praise. And so when you're here, what you're going to see is we're going to raise our hands in surrender. We're going to clap because we're excited. And then we are going to shout because we have received freedom. Amen. Amen. Guys. Oh, sure. Praise the Lord. We're in a special season as a church, aren't we? You can just feel it. God's doing his thing all around us. In fact, there has been several weeks in a row where people not only are getting saved, they're also heading out to our lobby and they're getting water baptized the same day. Hallelujah. We always had a dream here that the waters of baptism would never run dry. And so it's happening, guys. God's doing stuff. And I want to let you know it's not just happening here with the adults. I'm actually loving seeing our first service crowd. Um, I'm not ever in here, so I'm feeling like I'm meeting half of our church. This is great. Putting faces to who my husband talks about. Oh, which, by the way, I'm Kaya Bevilacqua. Pastor Joe is my husband. I realize I didn't introduce myself yet. So anyways, Pastor Joe is my husband, and he'll talk about this group, but I never get to put faces to it because I serve in nursery for first service. And I want to let you guys know that right now you're babies. You're three months old till about two and a half years old. That's my class. And we are in an eight-week series right now learning about the promises of God. Yes, you're babies. Learning about Noah and God's promise for us. And so they're learning. And what's so cool is I'm having mamas bring their kids to check them into me, and they're like, guess what? Um, my kid is just like singing this song during the week. And I'm like, well, oh, yeah, that's from our lesson. We don't even sing that at home. How do they know that? Well, because it's getting into their spirit at church, and it's coming out during the week. Hallelujah, it's working, right? Amen. Yes, thank you, Jesus. And then I'm having some parents say, they grab my Bible and they hug it. 
Yeah, let me show you what we do in our nursery class. I love this. So we'll say, this is the Bible. This is the word of God. And when you're older, you're going to need everything that this book says. <laughs> you're going to need it. There have been times in this Kaya's life where the words on this page are my very best friend. And so we're going to hug our Bible. Can you show me how you hug your Bible? Because we love God's word. And so parents, if your kids are going home and they're saying that, that's where they get that from. They are learning. They're in class back there. So God is on the move, even in the midst of your babies. Amen? Amen. Oh, gosh. So they're in that series, and I'm excited to be starting a new series today. Typically, I'm like right in the middle or at the end of something. I never get to start a new series, and so I'm looking forward to starting this one today. But before we get into it, I, I want to talk about this. My dad and my husband... Uh, so Pastor Eric and Pastor Joe, currently they are in the Punjab region of Pakistan. They are preaching and spreading the news. They are traveling door to door to houses. They're leading crusades and prayer meetings in Lahore. And let me read the name of the other one. It's Shakapura. <laughs> I didn't want to say it wrong, so I wrote it down. And anyways, so that's where they are right now. And in fact, uh, right before I got up here to preach, my phone went off, and it was my husband, and he says, Kaya, tell everybody I love them. And so Pastor Joe wants you to know, he loves you. And uh, I'll, that's right. I was just going to say, I'm going to let him know that you guys said that you love him too. So, <laughs> But they are there leading crusades, and I have to tell you, it's kind of blowing my mind a little bit um, when I have the opportunity to FaceTime or talk with them. It's so humbling. Uh, it's very humbling. Um, I'm seeing things come to pass that in my life I never imagined happening, like in a million years ever. <laughs> like That's never going to happen in my life, and I'm watching it unfold. And I've seen God change my heart for things in the past over other things, and to the spot where it's like only he could have changed that in me for me to feel the way that I do now. But two years ago, I remember when my dad began the pastor's friend ministry, and he told us about the places where he would be visiting. And that scared me, if I'm really honest with you. I remember questioning every destination he would talk about, like, Dad, are you sure that's God? Like, are you sure? Did you do, did you do your research? And secretly, you guys, I would even pray, Lord, let it be your will to close the door so that way he doesn't have to go. Ooh, that hurts. Man, Kaya. But that's the truth. I really felt like those places are too dangerous. I don't want the ones that I love to go there. Well, now fast forward. My dad comes home, and then my husband starts talking about going to Pakistan and some places overseas. And I'm not joking. I would laugh to myself over in the corner and think, yeah, right, buddy. I'm never letting you go there, never in a million years there. Ha ha, you think, and it's, I'm never going to let it happen, ever, never. But when my dad went and he came back, it was so crazy. I began to see my heart for those people changing. Oh, I began to think about Pakistan. I began to pray for the people of Pakistan. And not only that, I actually wanted the people I loved to go. I wanted them to go. It was no longer, Lord, no, I need those people for myself. It became, no, Lord, they got to go. They have to go there. So, but God, man, I told him no in my heart, but God. See, my dad found out about a need that God had for his lost kids in Pakistan. And so he said, I'll go. And he did. 
When he returned, he came back and he told our church about the need and he told my husband and Pastor Joe, he saw a trusted source. He, tra- a, he saw a trusted source and then he heard a need that God had over in Pakistan. And so Pastor Joe and Pastor Eric both said, here we are, send us. Here we go. How appropriate for the new series that we're going to be starting today. But as Pastor Brian said last week, I do want them to be able to come back and share their testimonies and their stories firsthand. But you guys, I'm so proud of them. I'm so proud of them. What they're doing, it's not easy. Um, There's no comfort. I don't know how else to put it. There's just, there's no comfort there. In fact, um, several of the TV stations and other, other, how to put it, people who would air these crusades or prayer festivals have approached my husband I said, you guys don't understand. There's something different about your group. Like, people come to Pakistan. But he says, preachers and evangelists, they come, and they're going to go stay back at their bougie-bougie hotel. They're not going to come and come and live amongst the people. Pastor Joe and Pastor Eric are staying in a village, a Muslim village in the city, in, a, in, in Pakistan. They're in it with the people. This is unheard of for, for Americans to come and put themselves out of comfort and have to travel in the craziest ways and through streets that my husband's like, they just they don't even make sense, you know. And uh, anyways, it, they're standing out is what I want you to see. They're preaching nonstop. They're getting like three hours of sleep a night because it's worth it for them to drive hours to reach God's lost kids, to drive hours all the way home back to sleep for a couple of hours because their Muslim village surrounds their house, surrounds the door, and as soon as they unlock the gate, those little children, those Muslim children are waiting for the good news and some candy. <laughs> They're waiting for it. Hallelujah. You know, I, uh, I homeschool my kids. But we are part of an awesome group that meets once a week so our kids can kind of do some fun activities together. And each week at this homeschool group, they have to give a presentation. And it's so great. It teaches them how to be in public. And Aurelia was so excited. This is my oldest son. He got to preach, or not preach, presentate, as they like to call it, presentate, present on his dad's trip to Pakistan. And so he says, Mom, can you give me your phone? And I want to show my friends. And so he's showing his friends and their parents the videos and pictures, and he's getting to answer all the questions that they have. But I want to, they're going to put it on the screen because this was so profound to me. This is what my son told his group of like seven and eight-year-old friends and their parents. Pakistan has enough gods. We don't just need to give them another god. They need Jesus so they can be saved. It's all about getting salvation. And he's seven. And I got to tell you, the other moms in the room, we're like, yes, hallelujah, amen. You know, we go into a church service, and these people who normally don't clap or shout in church are clapping and shouting for Aurelio because there was something about that word that resonated with their heart where they thought, yeah, it's not just about giving these people another God. No, they need salvation. They need it. Oh, hallelujah. It makes me want to be so quick about seeing a need that God has not just that I have, but seeing a need that God has and getting behind it because it's not just affecting me anymore. Mm. Pastor Brian and Pastor Joe both told, or we both have told, Pastor Brian and myself have both told my dad and my husband that we want to pray for them before we start our service, that we want them to know that their church family is behind them, that we are going to present their name before the Lord today. And so before we get started with our new series, would you go ahead and just bow your head with me? We're going to pray for our team that is in Pakistan. Hallelujah. Father, right now, I just thank you 
oh, for hands that were willing to go into places that other people were not. And Father, I thank you that wherever they go, wherever their feet step, they take it for the gospel of Jesus Christ, that wherever they go, signs and wonders would follow, that people would be healed, blind eyes would be open, deaf ears would be open, that people would taste and see that God, Jesus, is good. Hallelujah. Father, I ask for a hedge of protection over them. As they are putting themselves out there, Father, I just thank you for the hedge that surrounds them on every side, that no weapon formed against them can prosper. And Father, that when they leave this week, that the seed that they have sowed will multiply and will fall on good ground. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Would you guys give praise with me for what God's doing? Yeah. Here am I, Lord. Send me. This is a new series, and it's really in response to Missio Day, which is the series that we're just getting out of, so kind of like a second part series. Because we're in a season of a church, I said it earlier, like it's special. We're in a special season. And we purposely just want to put ourselves out there and say, God, what is your need? We want to meet it. We want to meet it. So that's really what this series is about. So if you would, if you have your Bibles or you can look on the screen, turn with me to Isaiah 6. You've likely heard the name Isaiah before. Uh, He wrote the book of Isaiah in the Old Testament. He's known as a major prophet, uh, not because that's what made him special. Major just means he wrote a bigger book than what other prophets did. But what makes him so special is this. He is the only prophet that does not have a formal call from God. Like God didn't approach him first. He interjects himself because he hears a need in heaven. He has a vision, so read with me in Isaiah 6. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above it stood seraphim. Each one had six wings. With With two, he covered his face. With two, he covered his feet. And with two, he flew and cried to one another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the posts of the door were shaken by the voice of him who cried out, and the house was filled with smoke. Oh, and so I said, woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips. I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the king, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to him leaving in his hand a live coal, which he had taken with the tongs from the altar. And he touched it to my mouth and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your iniquity is taken away, and your sin is purged. I love this part. Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? Who will go for us? And Isaiah says, Here am I. Send me. Oh, hallelujah. There's a lot going on here. We'll get to it. But first, I want you to see this. Isaiah is overhearing a conversation in heaven. And he's using the word, the Greek word kyrios, which means presenting a need. And he hears it and he is like, yes, <laughs> I got you. And it actually makes me think of my little two and three-year-old, my two youngest, uh, Vera and Frankel. They're two and three. And any time that I have a need, like if I'm like, mommy's got to go take the dog out. Bachi. <laughs> or mommy has to go start making lunch, or I need to start a load of laundry. Vera and Franco are quick on the scene to try to meet that need with me. They're both so quick, 
And what they do is they offer themselves and position themselves to fit the need. What's great is most of the time they don't really know how to do what I'm doing. <laughs> but their heart to bear the burden with me sets them in a place of blessing. I want you to hear that. Their heart to bear the burden with me sets them in a place of blessing. And don't you think that when Vera and Franco are trying to help me, uh, I think a good parent would take time to show them what we're trying to do, right? And I really got to thinking about that. My kids are learning things that a two- and three-year-old wouldn't typically learn because it's not for a two- and three-year-old. They, I want to bless them, and I want to show them things that exceed their current abilities, exceed it. And I think that's how God feels about us. Isaiah says, here am I, send me. What is Isaiah feeling right now? I think he's telling him, here am I, but does he know what God's going to ask of him? Does he know how to do it? Does he know what it's going to be? Does he know if he's qualified? And I don't even think he knows the answer to any of that because that's not really what's important to him at this time. And so maybe you're actually more like a prophet of God than what you think. Maybe you're more like Isaiah. Maybe you come to church and you hear a message and think, oh, I wish that I could be used by God like some of those guys. And even if that lie that you're not called goes through your head, be like the prophet Isaiah. He was the same. He didn't have that official call. He just presented himself to the Lord. So if you really feel like, I wish I could, but I don't have a call, make yourself available to God, and he is going to do the rest. We're going to come back to Isaiah, but I want to look at Jesus' disciples. In Luke 5, we can read the account of Jesus calling his disciples for the very first time. He shows up on the scene, and he can see empty nets, and so he knows it was not good fishing. He knows it's not, but he borrows their boat anyways, and he takes the boat and he brings it out to the center of the water, out towards the water a little bit further so he can preach. Jesus was so smart. But when he's done preaching, he, he tells Simon, go put the net out again. And Simon is thinking like, I've already done that. Uh, it's not like I'm lazy. I know how to do it. I've already tried. It didn't work. But he says, but if you say so, we'll do it again. We'll do it again. Pause, these guys are fishermen. Like, they do this for a living. I think they know how to catch fish, right? They know how to do it. Haven't you been there, though, in your own life, in your job, in your relationships, in your parenting, where you're like, uh, I'm doing this right. I know how to do this. I'm doing it right, but nothing is happening. It's so frustrating when we do things the right way and there's no results, isn't it? It's so frustrating. But Jesus shows up on the scene. He sees they didn't have a good catch, and he commands them to do it again with him and throw the net. Read with me Luke 5, 5 through 7. But Simon answered and said to him, Master, we've toiled all night, and we've caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. And when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish, and their net was breaking. So they signaled to their uh, to their partners in the other boat to come help. We're sinking. They came and they filled both the boats so that they both began to sink. If you've been around New Chapel at all, you'll hear Pastor Joe say, the great dividing line in the scripture is John 10.10, 10. and if you know it, say it with me, that the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that you might have life and life more abundantly. That abundant life that Jesus is talking about, it comes by inviting Jesus into your daily life. Those daily tasks, these guys were fishermen. It's what they did for their job. It's by inviting Jesus into what you're already doing every day. 
those guys went home with two boats full with Jesus. But the night before when they were doing their job on their own, which they knew how to do, they went home empty. Jesus appeared on the scene knowing the need. He is paying attention to our lives and what we're going through. And you know what else I love? When Jesus shows up and he sees that they've had an awful night, he still uses them. Do you know, Jesus used their boat to to maximize on the acoustics of the water and bring their boat out further so he could spread the gospel further. Like he wanted to use them even though Jesus is always trying to get something to us. He's always trying to accomplish the mission with us, even when we don't realize in the moment what he's doing. I don't think that those guys at that moment knew, hey, Jesus, or hey, Simon, can I borrow your boat? That just by using their boat, the gospel would be able to spread easier. Wow. It continues. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, oh, depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish which they had taken. And also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you will catch men. So when they had brought their boats to land, they forsook all and they followed him. These guys can tell when you do something you've always done well, but then add Jesus the results will exceed anything you've ever seen before. Remember what Isaiah said. As soon as he was in the presence of God, he says, woe is me, and he immediately became aware of his sin, of his shortcomings, and look what Simon Peter says, depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. These men became aware of their need to repent, of their need to change, And then it made a way to be used by God. Wow. When you get closer to Jesus, you do become aware of your sin because Jesus is holy. And the closer you get, you become aware of your desire to change that sin behavior in your life. But I want you to see something so important. Jesus never made these men be perfect before he started that journey with him. None of these men were perfect. They were, Jesus had already showed up and they were made aware. Jesus never makes you be perfect before he starts working with you. It's not on the screen, but I'll read it in Isaiah 6-7. It says, After Isaiah acknowledges his sin, an angel takes a burning piece of coal from the altar, touches Isaiah's lips with it, and says, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away, and your sin is atoned for. What's important to see is Isaiah couldn't take care of his sin on his own, right? He had to repent. And when he was at that altar, at that place of of sacrifice, that seraphim took the coal and he placed it directly onto Isaiah's lips because Isaiah was made to be a messenger of God's word. And so he is cleansed at the altar and he's acceptable to minister God's word. It's only after Isaiah says, or that Isaiah is cleansed of his sin, then after that he says, hear my Lord, send me. Prior to the point of repentance, Isaiah sees himself as unworthy, like, I got to get out of here. I have nothing to offer. But once he was forgiven, he immediately was willing to do whatever the need was that God had of him. God wants willing and enthusiastic volunteers to go where he sends. So Isaiah answered that call and said, here, my Lord, send me. And for the rest of his life, Isaiah serves the God who had not only forgiven him, but had saved him. 
I want you to see it doesn't matter if you are a prophet of God like Isaiah or if you're a disciple of Jesus or you. You can answer, here am I, send me. So how, how can we as men and women living today, how can we see in need of our Heavenly Father and say, here am I? I want to fast forward just a little bit. We're going to go to when Jesus has risen from the dead, but, he is not, or he, but he's still on the earth. He has another encounter with his disciples, and they're at the Sea of Tiberias this time. And that night, they caught nothing once again. Sounds familiar, right? But early in the morning, Jesus was standing on the shore, and the disciples were far off. They actually couldn't recognize that it was Jesus. They didn't know it was him. And he once again tells them, throw the net again. When they did, they weren't even able to haul it. When Jesus gives a word, it's set apart. Even if we don't recognize his voice right away, there is something about it. There's something about his instruction, and it resonates with our spirit that wants to obey. These disciples, or these men who were fishing, they didn't even recognize it was Jesus, but they heard something different about his voice, and they obeyed. Don't you think that other people, other fishermen, other people on shore, maybe other people in the boat were telling them how to live their life, like how to catch fish better? But it was the instruction of Jesus that led to blessing. This tells me that Jesus can step into our life at any time, unexpected. He can step into our area of expertise, our habits, our shortcomings, our perfections. He can show up and everything changes in a moment. Jesus can appear at any time. A vision from heaven can appear at any time. When he appears and he tells you what to do, will you listen? Kaya, you know, I'm just not really like that Isaiah type, that kind of see a vision from heaven or hear a vision from heaven kind of type. Well, perfect. Be a disciple. Will you listen, although you've already tried it when he tells you to do something? Will you listen even though you've tried it 10 times already and it didn't work? Will you listen even though you've tried it 100 times and it didn't work? Will you listen? Because that breakthrough moment from God that you're waiting for could be on that fifth time, the hundred and fifth time, the fifteenth time, will you try again? Will you throw the net again? Have faith that your circumstance, your circumstances can change when Jesus shows up, not if. He will. He will. You think he can't surprise you. He can show up at any time. And in Jesus' apparent absence from our presence, he is still of our, aware of our need, and he can just show up. Amen. It is different with Jesus. It changes everything. So here's a deep question for you. Is there room in your world for him to appear? We want that here I am moment, don't we? We want that moment of purpose, that moment of significance. But the world's never had room for Jesus, let's be real. It didn't thousands of years ago, and surely it does not today. They didn't have, we all know the story, they didn't have room for Jesus at the inn. Where was Jesus born? In a stable. But even then, I think, do you think it was just easy for him to go there? I imagine they had to shovel some waste, they had to move some animals around, empty out some stuff for Jesus to be laid in. Like, work had to get done. It wasn't just like, hey, go into the stable. Room still had to be made. It is possible to re hear me, it is possible to rearrange and make room for the Savior of the world to appear in your world. So are you making room in your life to hear from heaven? Are you making room in your life for Jesus to surprise you? 
to surprise you on the scene of your day today, let me ask you, does your business have room for Jesus? Does your parenting have room for Jesus? Does your marriage have room for Jesus? Does your Disney Plus, Hulu, Netflix have room for Jesus? Where you make room for Jesus, he shows up in that place. That's how he came into the world. Where you make room, he shows up. But let's be real, we know why that gets hard for us. Because we anticipate our future based on what has happened to us or others. And <laughs> we, we judge our future based on other people's past or our own. Quit letting people that don't matter to your destiny make you feel like you can't because they couldn't and they didn't. Amen. Don't do it. Thank you. Yeah. Because... They didn't. When you're doing your normal day-to-day things, we have to expect that Jesus is going to show up for us. Faith is the currency of heaven, guys. It's not our needs. It's not anything else. It's faith. Faith is the currency. It's how we have exchange with heaven. And we discount what God can do because you know what our faith is in? It's in ourselves. We have more faith in ourselves. We have more faith in our past. We have more faith in our inabilities. And we have more faith in what other people say. Mm. Faith in anything other than God is not faith. (laughs) It's null. It's void. And it will produce nothing in your life. And it will make you produce nothing in your life. Maybe, yeah, praise the Lord. Maybe you're already living a life, though, where you feel, I'm being sent, and it's good. God has me on mission. Praise God. I'm, I'm so grateful for you. But you might be like a lot of people in the room who they want to be used but just have no clue. They keep feeling like they're maybe making the same mistakes. They've missed the boat. They don't even know what God is asking of them. I've got really good news for you. Repentance gives us the platform to jump back and do the last thing that God asked of us. And check this, the results parallel obedience. I want to read that again. Repentance gives us the platform. Go back. Do the last thing that God asked you to do and the results parallel obedience. God is so good. Start with repentance. We see that modeled for us, not only by a prophet of God, but by disciples of Jesus. Start with repentance. Be honest with God. What does Isaiah say? I'm a man of unclean lips. I live amongst people with unclean lips. All you have to do is admit it to the Lord. And then, you know, after you repent, after you admit where you're falling short, you might not feel different at all. I have been there. But how you feel does not determine your strength. That's not what does it. God forgives you, and he wants to use you, and it's modeled in his word. It's modeled in something that is so trustworthy. So I've got, I talked about two of my children, but I've got four young children, and during bath time, it is inevitable um, that shampoo is going to get in someone's eye, like every time. So uh, I will hear screaming, crying, screaming, crying, screaming, crying, and then some more. And it doesn't even matter if it's like the tear-free stuff doesn't work. If it gets in their eyes, they are screaming and crying, and it is a whole scene. And when that happens, they flip their lids. These kids freak, and I have to go in there, and we have to go through the whole thing, and it's, it's traumatic. They're done with the bath after that. Well, now, when I have to wash my hair, I like blonde hair, and so I use purple shampoo. hurts so bad if it gets in your eye. Like, I don't think that's very healthy for you either, but it does get in my eye on occasion, and it hurts, right? 
shampoo in an adult's eye hurts, but like, what am I gonna do? I'm not gonna freak out. I'm gonna put my eye under the water and get that out and move on with my life and be a big girl, right? But right away, I know what to do. I don't scream and cry anymore because I know pain will go away and it's temporary. There are some things right now that God is likely working out in some of you that seem unbearable, like my kid with soap in their eye, like, ah, this is the end of the world. You hate me for washing my hair, ah, and screaming and crying. But in reality, I promise you that it's not as big of a deal as what you think. Just let the Lord tell you what to do. Rinse your eye out. Move on. It's going to get easier. Amen. So go back to the first place that you encountered Jesus. Did you do what he said? Is he still waiting for you in that same spot? After Jesus died and was raised from the dead, some of the disciples went back to the Sea of Galilee. Like they quit traveling ministry and they went back and were fishermen again. Can you imagine? They went back to being fishermen. They had, and they had traded in that life. Like they had likely gotten rid of all their supplies and everything. They traded in that life for traveling ministry with Jesus. But check this. Once they didn't see Jesus like normal anymore, like once they leave church and the goosebumps are gone, or once they left church and, oh, my friends made plans on a Sunday or work scheduled me on a Sunday or I just found something better to do. Once they left the presence of Jesus, they went back to their old ways. But do you know what is absolutely incredible? Jesus went back. Jesus went back. He went back to the first place that he had called those men. He went back to the sea. And when he's there and he gave that instruction of throw your net again, and they come back with the big haul and they have this wonderful meal, did you know when he's on the shore, he's not looking at those men mad? He doesn't look at them mad. He doesn't look, you losers, (laughs) you left me hanging, you know. He doesn't even say that. And keep in mind, these are the same men that on the night Jesus would be betrayed, Jesus asks them to pray with him. And you know what these dudes do? Oh, they're too tired. They leave their Messiah to go sleep. These are those same guys that blows my mind. Jesus still shows up on the scene, knows that these men are physically tired, they're hungry, they need money. He shows up understanding their flesh. Wow. And when he arrives, he has the solution. They rest and they eat together. And Jesus says for the second time, because Jesus is so gracious, he will receive you if you come back to him. I'm telling you, now for the second time, he says, you will be fisher of men. He rem- Jesus reminds them of the call of God on their life. So it is not too late for you to go back and do what God has already asked you to do. I promise the results are going to parallel obedience. Just obey Throw the net again. Be fisher of men. Where my family lives, uh, we lose power all the time. If you know me, you know. Uh, we, we lose power a lot. And so, uh, and it's like the kind of power, it's like the rest of Michigan will have 99.9% of power. I know because consumer tells me, because believe me, I'm like, what's the deal? You know, I kind of get a little snotty. It's not easy to lose power, right? I live in America. So consumer's energy says, yep, 99.9% has power and it'll be four days until your power comes back on. I'm like, tell me how that makes sense. Okay, Jesus, come back. Um, Okay, and so a dozen or so times over the past year, the power has been out at my house, sometimes for a couple of days, three, four days. And I'm not going to lie, it gets very frustrating, right? Just, you want to see Kaya mad, take my power away. Ooh, it's not fun. Because no power changes the atmosphere, doesn't it? Can you relate? No power, it changes the atmosphere. 
and I have to think about so many things that just normally I don't have to. Don't open my refrigerator. I just bought meat. No, I don't. You can't flush that toilet. Just that, go to the that bathroom downstairs, right? There's all these politics that normally I don't have to think about. There was a weekend. Uh, we were getting ready for the weekend, and I had no power. And that was really frustrating because it's just stressful to get ready for church. I'm like all of you. I know. I don't know what it is about a Sunday. I can admit that with everybody. It's hard to get your kids to church on a Sunday. I know. And I'm trying to get everybody ready, and I'm just stressed. It's dark. It's so dark where I live. Uh, my kids are fighting. Oh, all four of them, just fighting, fighting, fighting. And they want me to cook, too. Like, my little granola bar and fruit cup, not going to do it. I have to cook eggs and sausage like normal. But I can't. I can't do anything like normal. And so I'm frustrated, but God dropped such a sweet conviction into my spirit. I actually imagined, I just kind of went on this journey with God, and I started imagining all the people who I knew that still had power at their house. All of my siblings had power. I know, because you better believe I'm asking, who lost their power? Am I the only one, you know? And so I pictured everybody else getting ready just like normal. They're completely unaware of what I'm even going through. Their weekend was the same. They weren't feeling what I was feeling that day. And then it went deeper. I began to just think about tragedies happening all over the world in our country. I pictured floods. I pictured earthquakes. I, I pictured people's worlds being destroyed by death. And just, I put myself in other people's shoes. And I thought, man, I really can't relate to some of the hurt that's out there. Because here I am, ticked off that I don't have power. But like, man, there's some real stuff people are going through. And I'm not even aware of it because I'm not experiencing it. Because then I remembered what it's like to get ready for church on a normal week, where I do have power at my home. When all is well in my world, I'm completely unaware of how awful reality is for those around me, how dark it is. Because when you have the power, you're, you're unaware of how awful it is for people with lights out, for so many people around you. Although these people don't function in your daily world, they live on the same planet as you. And there are people with lights out all around you that have dark worlds that are hurting so bad, that are going through it, whose, whose lives are awful. They're facing tragedy and heartache, and they need you. They need that light inside of you. They need the power of Jesus that is on the inside of you. And what I want you to see is even the prophet who is God's voice to warn his people, God's voice to give hope to his people, and Jesus' disciples who were called to direct ministry of the gospel— all struggled with thinking that they were not or that they could not be used that they weren't enough and they all had shortcomings yet God still used them I'm going to tell off on myself I was the girl in Bible school who lied about writing her sermon like I just wouldn't do my homework I'd be like "Mm -mm, sorry I left it at home this is before like iPhones and emails to your phone and stuff like that I was like no I didn't write a sermon I'm not gonna go speak in front of people I was a liar in Bible school. That's so bad. Oh, man. Because I just knew God knows my heart. See, I'm more of a behind-the-scenes kind of girl. I serve in nursery for service, right? I love the babies. I just love it back there. God knows my heart. Ooh. But I fought with God about using my voice my entire life. I'm not good enough. I can't. I'm not. Blah, blah, blah. Until I couldn't fight it or I couldn't deny what God had asked of me. Not anybody else. It was what God had a need of in me. And when I answered that, so I repented and I said, Lord, I'll, I'll do whatever you ask me to do. I'll do that. So I threw the net again with Jesus. I threw it again. Oh, Kaya, I've already tried to be a better husband and she's not acting right. Perfect. Throw the net again and be a better husband with Jesus. 
man, I've already tried to love my enemy. They are unlovable. Mm -mm. Throw the net again and love your enemy with Jesus. I've already tried to share Jesus with my friends. They're just not really open to it. Throw the net again with Jesus. Oh, but I've already tried to share Jesus with my family. Oh, they're just really just bitter and just unforgiveness is in there. I don't care. Throw the net again with Jesus and share him. Oh, Kaya, I've already tried to read my Bible, and it's just not the same. You know, I need to come to church and have, mm mm-mm. Join a small group and get understanding. Throw the net again with Jesus. Oh, Kaya, I've tried to break generational curses. Stop trying and break generational curses with Jesus. Hallelujah. Kaya, I've already tried to believe in God. I've already tried to believe in a power that's bigger than myself. Perfect. Stop trying to believe in God and something bigger. Today, you can just accept his son, Jesus, which is the very first step. Throw the net again with Jesus. What do we see people being sent by God looking like? They look like this group. They look like us. They look like imperfect people. I'm telling you, imperfect people that are forgiven. Your repentance is what makes it so you can connect to heaven and you can hear your commission from God. Maybe you're a visitor today or you've been coming for a while, but you wouldn't really consider yourself a Christian. That doesn't scare us. This whole service is for you anyways. It's the reason why we put on a weekend service. It's so people can come into a place and hear about a God that loves them. So if you're in here today and and you don't know Jesus, I want you to know that God sent, he loved you so much that he sent his only son to die on a cross with your name on it. Oh, he did that for everybody. No, friend, you need to hear today that if you were the only person, Jesus willingly would have gone to that same cross with just your name on it. He would have done that for you willingly. So maybe today you're choosing to throw your net for the very first time. If that's the case, I want you to know that not only this room, but all of heaven rejoices with you. In a second, I'm going to give you the opportunity to make Jesus the Lord of your life, to throw the first net, to make that very first step. My little baby's in the background. Hi, sweet pea. (laughs) I'm going to give you the opportunity to do that for the first time. So the whole church in a moment, we're all going to bow our heads and close our eyes. And we're going to repeat this prayer. If you would, would you go ahead and bow your heads? Close your eyes for me. Before we say that prayer, I'll tell you when it's time. I want to let everybody know, I'm not going to call anybody but down to the front. I don't want to embarrass anyone. I do want to know who I'm praying for. So on the count of three, if this is going to be your first time saying this prayer, just go ahead and sneak your hand up and put it back down so I can know just who I'm praying for. So on the count of three, one, two, three, go ahead and raise your hand if that's your first time. Thank you. Awesome. Go ahead. Your hands can go down and everybody can repeat this prayer after me. After me, Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Jesus to die on the cross in my place for my sins so I can be forgiven. You raised him from the dead. This I believe. So with my heart and with these words, I confess Jesus Christ is my Lord. I surrender now. Jesus, I call on you 
put your spirit in me. I receive all of what you have for me. Thank you for saving me. And thank you for making all things new. Amen. Would you go ahead and celebrate with me those that made that decision for the first time? Hallelujah. We hope that you were encouraged and brought closer to God during this message. You can listen to any of our past messages and series either on this podcast or on newchapel.com slash watch. And be sure to connect with us on Facebook or Instagram to stay up to date on everything happening here at New Chapel. 